Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Thank you for supporting Mi'kmaq Matters through Patreon or email funds transfer. These are strange and difficult times. I hope you and those dear to you are well and stay well. Well, all you. According to the calendar on your wall, there is a full moon next week on May the 7th. Of course, our ancestors did not have calendars, but the moon was a very important guide. It told them where they were in the circle of life. And as we'll hear from our two guests this week, this moon, coming up on May 7th, was a sign that the winter had passed, that it was time to move from the inland winter grounds to the coast to meet other Mi'kmaq people to feast and celebrate. Kathy LeBlanc and Dave Chapman are our guests. You may know them from their Facebook page, Mi'kmaq Moons. They use an approach they call two-eyed seeing. Kathy is a Mi'kmaq woman, a member of the Acadia First Nation. Dave is a scientist who's had a lifelong interest in astronomy. I reached Kathy in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, and Dave in Dartmouth. Um, Dave and I met um, six years ago, it is now. Um, I was working at Kedjimkujik National Park National Historic Site, um, and I was asked by Acadia First Nation to do a presentation on Mi'kmaq Moon Times. And I called Dave. Um, I They asked me to do some storytelling, uh, which I had a lot of experience with. Uh, but they also um, wanted me to do um, an observatory uh, part of a presentation where I was showing constellations. So not having a lot of experience with that, um, I called Dave and asked him if uh, he would work with me. And um, he was eager to do so. And that started um, the project with Kathy and Dave. And um, we that presentation um, led to many more and many more conversations, very long conversations um, about the moon times and what they meant. And I had a lot of traditional knowledge um, that I could give uh, to him. And in return, um, he gave me uh, a lot of knowledge on the Western science astronomy part of things. And Dave, you're, you come from a, can I call it a hard science background? You have uh, an astronomy interest also. So you um, come at it from a different uh, point of view than Kathy. Yes. Um, well, I've, I was interested in astronomy and science from quite an early age. My father showed me the constellations when I was eight. I have a teles- had a telescope when I was 10, and I've been observing the sky for uh, well over half a century. Um, <clears throat> but um, I studied physics in university. I, I, I didn't really study astronomy as such, but it's always been an interest of mine, especially calendars and that kind of thing and what their astronomical roots are so when we started talking about the the Mi'kmaq moons I was I brought a lot of knowledge about the cycles of the moon and that kind of thing Um, so uh, I just want to say before we go any further that 
our initial uh, partnership with Kathy and I, we, uh, you know, it was just sort of a casual thing. We were we were just going to do that presentation, and we didn't really think that it, it would lead to anything, but it it really took off, and it became a full fledged project. And to the so today, you know, we have a a Facebook group or sorry, a Facebook page with about 2,700 followers. And we also have um, a YouTube channel with mm-hmm. with video content on it uh, about Mi'kmaq moons. And if people are interested in following up with that, uh, you can search for those, um, both of those uh, places, uh, just under uh, Mi'kmaq moons. And we spell Mi'kmaq, M-I apostrophe K, M-A-W. So that's how you will find us. And I know that many uh, many of our listeners uh, follow the uh, your Facebook page because uh, they've uh, posted it and shared the posts. So when we're talking about, um, I mean, I guess when we talk about Mi'kmaq moons, we're referring to the, the traditional way that um, our people uh, dealt with time. Uh, if I can even use that word time, because uh, for us in uh, these days, uh, time is down to the minute. But in the rhythm <laughs> of Mi'kmaq life, uh, the day was marked by the sunrise and the sunset. And it was a much different approach to time in general. That's correct. I mean, uh, these days we actually... In the modern world, we see time as linear, one thing following the next, uh, one day following the next, and and we relate to calendars and we relate to clocks uh, and that kind of thing, uh, the days of the week. But of course, indigenous people, including the Mi'kmaq, did not perceive it that way. They saw everything as a cycle. The the circle is a very strong theme in, in uh, indigenous knowledge. Uh, very strong, and they recognized that, that you know the day w- was the, the most important cycle, as you say, the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun, and and that sort of punctuated their their day to day life. But they also recognized a longer cycle, which is the cycle of the seasons. And being hunter gatherers, they were very sensitive to what was happening in different seasons, what food could be collected how they would dress, uh, what what game could be hunted, and so on. Uh, and in order to kind of navigate through from the day and through the year, they found the moon to be a very uh, easy kind of reminder that the year is divided up into, into sections or segments. And so they applied the names of the moons that were relevant to the things that were going on around them. So they... So, for instance, now we're looking at the frog croaking moon, and the last moon time was um, the birds laying eggs, and the next one is the trees fully leafed. So not only are you aware of what's happening around you now, but you know what's coming next, and so you can kind of plan your life around that. And I think over, you know, the course of this project, um, being a uh, Mi'kmaq woman myself, um, it has allowed me to view and see time in a way um, in which my ancestors would. And it, it's really changed um, the connection that I have with the things around me and the way that I view time. I know many of us get caught up in um, the flipping of a calendar and, and the holidays that will come. And, you know, for me, 
um, I now am am in tune with, you know, the cues in nature that we have. So with this frog croaking moon that's coming up, um, that's how I know we're we're going into spring. You know, I, I don't have to look at a calendar. I can lay in my bed at night and um, hear those those peepers, which is such a, a beautiful sound. And it's a sound that's uniting um, a lot of us um, in in this province. The province is that you know we're hearing a lot on the Facebook page of people hearing the same thing. So it's a beautiful thing to have us all be connected um, with the things that are going on around us. Part of this project um, was me living out um, the moon times um, from beginning to end uh, with my niece, um, who was young at the time, seven, eight years old. And um, this always reminds me of a story this time of year because I was I was sharing with her um, this project and reconnecting with nature and the timekeeping traditions of our people. Um, and this was a time where she called me up um, one day and she said, Auntie, Auntie, she said, I, I was listening. She said, last night, she said, I heard the peepers. I heard the peepers. And I said, I know, Holly, I heard them too. And uh, I said, you, you know what moon time this is for our, for our people? And um, she said, no, but I bet you it has something to do with the frogs. Mm-hmm. I said, you're absolutely right. And uh, that's what started this journey with, with her and I. And the next moon time, uh, which was the, the leaf budding moon, um, she actually picked it up first. She was looking out my window. We were having tea, as we normally do when she comes. And um, she said to me, Auntie, she said, what, what's on those trees? And I said, well, those are, those are little buds. They're going to have leaves on them. And I said, do you know what moon time we're, we're about to go in? And uh, again, she said, no, but I bet you it has something to do with the leaves, with mm. the trees. And so she was she was picking up um, those little cues, and I think in all the the work um, that we've done, um, it, it's so amazing to see families and people coming together and viewing time a little differently. Um, and it's a way that we connect can connect with our culture um, that's living. It's living culture, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to hear and watch. This uh, year uh, in the Gregorian calendar, uh, the full moon is on uh, is on May seventh, uh, the next full moon, and that will be the uh, frogs croaking time moon. And uh, let's uh, it's such a, a great um, antidote to the current moment that we're in. We're in uh, dealing with the stress of uh, COVID, and of course in Nova Scotia where you are, we have we've had that terrible tragedy. And um, it seems to me the frogs croaking time is such a uh, a hopeful moon. We're in um, we're in the spring. The weather's getting warmer, and of course, uh, the frogs croaking. Uh, I guess is part of the the mating uh, cycle for frogs. And um, I suppose back in the day, in traditional times, our people would be traveling at this time from the winter grounds to uh, to the coast. Probably they would be meeting people on the way. And uh, it was uh, the end of a, a long, hard winter, a time of more food and uh, an easier, an easier life at this time of year.
In, in fact, um, you're exactly right. <clears throat> and in fact, the Mi'kmaq here in uh, in Nova Scotia had a very, um, they used to have a spring feast at, at this time. And um, the way you read about it, sometimes people will say, oh, it's uh, it takes place, you know, uh, five days or seven days after the new moon in May. But the person who wrote that was, um, um, you know, thinking about the Gregorian calendar. But if you if you think, step back and think about how the Mi'kmaq would have seen that, um, they wouldn't have known about the month of May, but they would have known what um, moon time it was, and it would have been the, the, the frog croaking moon time. And seven days after the new moon, well, the new moon you can't observe, so you can't imagine that somebody would say, oh, it's new moon today, so let's count seven days. So the way I see it, anyway, knowing the astronomy, is that they would look for the first quarter moon in them in that time. And that's the that would be their clock. That would be the time that they would gather from all over. And then they would they would aim to gather here in Halifax. Um, uh, that's not the name they had for it in, in those days. Um, I wish I could say it in Nigma, but it, it's it's it comes down as Chibukto or something like that. Anyway, they would be looking to arrive at around the first quarter moon. I'm I'm very sure of that because they they wouldn't have been counting days since the new moon, which which is unobservable. So, I, I think it is a very special time for the Mi'kmaq, and and remains so. One of the things that I note is that the activity on our Facebook page I posted today that it was the first day of of the Frogmo croaking moon, and and I asked people, are you hearing the peepers? And what you will see is people will interact with us on our page. They don't just passively sit and listen or watch and and, and learn. They they interact with us and they they share their experiences. And that's one of the really great things about our page is that people will they will relate to us how how it makes them feel and how they're experiencing um, the passage of time and the seasons as they evolve. They're very interested in these different moon times and what they represent. And I guess, um, I guess, uh, as you say, people would be looking, looking at the moon. And of course they would have to know the moons and, um, and follow the moons just because that gave them cues as to uh, where they were in the natural environment. So for their own uh, survival and being able to find food, uh, they would need to know the moons and read the moons and know where they were in the uh, in the cycle of the moons. That's right. It's it's kind of like a, a kind of a mnemonic device where I'm sure they would. Um, I mean, everything everything in indigenous culture is is passed on by storytelling. I can, I can imagine you know people sitting around at night uh, around their fire or in their wigwam. And, and telling stories and, and, and the children would, would learn from their elders as they grew up and they would learn the cycles of the moons and the sequence of the moons. So they would know what was the next time and they would know in the snow blinding time in February where it's very snowy and the bright sun uh, shines in your eyes and things are still frozen. They know that uh, that, that will be followed by, um, uh, uh, Siuguikas 
which is the spring moon or maple sugar time. So they know that there's going to be maple maple syrup to be had. And that's really the beginning of spring uh, for the Mi'kmaq. One of the problems we have is that our, our elders are, you know, are going to the spirit world and a lot of the, the stories and the traditions are, are going with them. Uh, so how, how much of those stories are out there um, to be collected still? You know, Glenn, I think that's, you know, what is what drives me uh, with the work uh, that I do with Dave is knowing um, the importance of passing stories down generation through generation. And I think that, you know, it brings me great pride as I'm... Um, as I'm aging to to have my niece, and and this only became apparent to me because it's it's part of my everyday life. So Dave and I had a conversation not too long ago about, oh my goodness, this is having her be a carrier um, of the knowledge of the moons now and, and learning, and you know this is exactly you know what our people would have done. So I am. So happy, you know, that I'm able to pass those stories um, down to her, and that's how. And we've had uh, another young uh, Mi'kmaq lady, um, a young girl, do some work for us, um, some artwork, um, and you know, just just to have them be part of it and be excited about it and be able to, you know, have something that they can see every day. It's it's a living. Um, it's a living thing that they're experiencing. And so, you know, for, the, for them to have that and be able to pass it down, um, it really drives me uh, to keep working on this. And, you know, our elders, um, we Dave and I have been for, so fortunate that we've had um, a lot of people uh, guiding us through this process um, and sharing stories and sharing language. And, you know, it, it's been... Um, it's been such a, a well-received um, project, and you know, people are just wanting and willing um, to help us uh, to be able to spread the message. So, in recognizing that, you know, getting these stories from our elders um, is so very important, and we work very hard on that. But also to uh, understand that we have a role too in, in sharing stories. Um, with our young people and very passionate about going into classrooms and Dave and I have had have done several uh, children's programs on the topic um, just to to do our part in in sharing um, this way of telling time um, so yeah it, it's it's one of the things that drives us and we understand the importance of um, and we're we're very grateful. Um, much of our work is based on the work that um, Cheryl Bartlett and others did at Cape Breton University um, over 10 years ago. They, they had a, quite a, a group there working on um, retrieving a lot of this, um, this knowledge. And certainly we, we based our work heavily on that. But I, I believe also through our research and through our reading, we've added to it. Um, we, we, we wrote down everything we knew a few years ago in, in an essay, which uh, actually won a, a science writing uh, award in, in the United States, uh, second prize. <laughs> and uh, and it, that that was a very um, important uh, 
uh, milestone for us because we basically wrote down everything we knew and so we could share it. And that uh, paper led to us being approached by a publisher who said, you know, this is a very interesting idea. We'd like to make a book for young people uh, on that. And that's, we're kind of working, working on that now. In that book, we, we have these 12 or 13 uh, stories. They're called Holly and Auntie stories where each moon time is, is sort of acted out as a conversation between, um, a young woman, uh, Holly and her auntie. Well, the auntie is Kathy. It's no secret. Mm-hmm. Holly is a real person. And the stories we, the stories we wrote, uh, in some cases are actual events in, in our journey and our discovery. And then there were other, other moon times where we didn't have a story. So we created a story, um, um, using the same sort of format. And, but I would have to say in, in doing the research for that book and making sure that everything we put into the book was absolutely accurate. Uh, both Kathy and I had to do a lot of reading and a lot of research. And it only intensified our understanding of, of all of this. And we discovered things along the way that we weren't aware of. Uh, and so, the project sort of continues to grow um and hopefully <laughs> hopefully one day this book will appear and and we'll be able to pass on uh the knowledge to others again through through telling stories well in in the meantime uh i do recommend uh, to our listeners the uh, big mom woods uh, facebook page and um and uh, there is also uh, interesting content on your YouTube page, including a, a presentation. So, uh, Kathy and Dave, thank you for, for your work over the last uh, seven years or so. Uh, I know it's a labor of, of love. Uh, we respect that and thank you for it. And um, hopefully we will have uh, a clear sky to uh, to view the uh, frog-walking moon in uh, mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks or so, and we'll uh, look up and uh, remember our people and the way it would have been in traditional days, and uh, perhaps looking at the moon uh, connect with our uh, with our people uh, through the uh, through the ages. Well, thank you, Glenn. Um, uh, we really appreciate you having us on and uh, helping us talk about something that we're so passionate about. You obviously have studied what we've done uh, quite deeply and we appreciate that. Kathy LeBlanc and Dave Chapman from Mi'kmaq Moons. A word about the frogs with whom we share so-called Newfoundland. We're more likely to hear the American toad which was introduced in the 1960s. But there are frogs native to the island, among them the green frog. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, CHMR, and Mielbegag, First Nation Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.